study here lately. And um, golly, man, just really diving in. How many know God has, um, how many know that no one in here has this all figured out? And amen, well said. And how many know God has more things he wants to reveal to you? And uh, you know, how many know that, that, that God is, um, he likes to surprise you and he likes to reveal uh, secrets to you? And how many know there, there are surprises and secrets in the word of God? And like they're just in there. And um, you know, it's his joy to conceal them. And it's our joy uh, to uncover them, you know. I love to surprise my kids, and um, I probably enjoy surprising my family more than they actually enjoy receiving the surprise, but I love to surprise people with stuff. And how many know God's the same way? How many know God loves to surprise you and to reveal things to you? And uh, it's just, it's one of the cool things about the way he does things, you know. And so um, I've just been just in a real a place of real study, because I don't just want to preach something to you. I don't want to preach knowledge to you. I want to preach something to you that's already <coughs> resonating in my own heart. Because if I can bring you something that's resonating in my own heart and it's a piece of my life, then I can actually make a deposit in your heart and not just give you head knowledge. And so that's why it's, it's so important uh, to, to study it out and to kind of drink it in. And so God's been moving me in a, in a little bit of a different direction, and it's a little bit of a paradigm shift. And the thing about the way my gift operates is I will, I will, things will come out of my heart and my mouth before I have full understanding of it right here. And maybe you guys are the same way too. But um, I, I've been preaching this, and it's like, wow, I've never heard it like that before. And I, keep, and I have been preaching it at the shelter like that and ministering to the youth along these lines. And it's just been getting bigger and bigger in me. And then I've set aside a bunch of time. I've just been studying uh, the scriptures concerning this. And I think it's a real paradigm shift. And honestly, I think it's a direction the body of Christ is moving. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I, do, I believe it's a, it's a now thing that, that God's doing um, in his spirit. And uh, I think it's going to make things plainer. And it's going to make it easier to navigate your life. Um, and just make things easy. I like, do y'all like simple? I love simple things, man. I don't like complicated things. I like simple things. Because, I mean, you know, something that's simple, you can make a snap decision in a moment, and you can know what to do. Whereas when something is really complicated, you got to think about it a lot, and you, you know, but when things are simplified, it, it just makes life easier. So, anyway, um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, and uh, God makes a statement here, and I kind of feel like this statement sums up all of God's creation. This is what I wrote in my notes. All of God's plan of creation can be summed up in this one statement. I set before you life and death. Choose life. Right? And um, I feel like the whole encompassing nature of God's creation is that way. How many know in the garden it was the same way? You got the tree of life. And you get the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know? And um, they had a choice to make. You know, it never said, God never told them not to eat from the tree of life. Um, and I don't, it doesn't look like they ever actually ate from it, at least as far as I know. But they ended up eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And of course, it brought forth death. But I think on a day-to-day -day basis, you're, you're, you have some decisions to make. And when I'm talking about life and death, I'm not talking about a literal sense of death, um, although there is a literal sense of death, but you can boil down a lot of your decisions to am I choosing life or am I choosing death? And I know that's a strong statement. I'll elaborate on it and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll bring it forth. But let's read the actual passage. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, and then what's cool is like he gives us the answer on the test. He said, choose life. He said that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, that you may cling to him, for he is your life. He is your life. He is your life. And, um, and then, of course, uh, let's, you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to read this to you. But you guys turn to Hebrews chapter 2, please. But I'm going to read in the chapter in Genesis it says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
you shall not eat in it, for in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And so, how many know that, that death was never God's plan? Like, God never, God's not the author of death. God's not the creator of death. Um, how many know that in Scripture, we're going to take a look at it in a little bit, how many know God says death's his enemy? Death is the enemy of God. And, in fact, it's the last enemy that is going to be put under Jesus' feet. How many know there's a day and time coming when there'll be no more dying? No more dying. There will be no more death. Um, and you're going to have a redeemed body. Now, death is not just death in a literal sense. How many know sickness is a form of death? How many know aging is a form of death? It really is. The reason that people age um, is their, their cells don't replicate properly anymore. And that's why we get these little lines and all this type of stuff that, that, that happens. You know what I'm saying? But that stuff, that's actually not God's will. You know, I was telling the, the youth, um, you know, when you get to heaven, uh, God's not going to be old. You know, a lot of times we visualize God as this, you know, old angry guy with a beard, you know, and all that type of stuff. Yeah, grandpa looking. But when you, but when you see God, like, he's going to be young. Why? Because youth is a reflection of life. You know, um, we get to heaven, all the people that have passed on before you that were old when they died... Uh, when you see them, they're going to be young. They're going to have vitality. They're not going to have wrinkles, and they're not going to be walking around all whatever. They're going to be vibrant and full of life because aging is a symptom of death. Sickness is a symptom of death. Um, uh, poverty is a symptom of death. Um, depression, symptom of death. Rage, symptom of death. All of these things, these are... These are these are, this is death trying to, to work in us. And uh, Eli was on the way somewhere. Eli was telling me, Dad, I saw this dead bird the other day. You know, and he was telling me about it. And how many know death can be a very impactful thing to a, to a child? You know why? Because it's alien. Like, they know there's something wrong with it. And he, like, saw this dead bird, and, and it, like, impacted him. He saw death. How many know death is ugly? And it doesn't like bear witness with your heart. When you see death, you know there's something wrong there. Like when you see decay and stuff like that, you know, and I'm not, you know, I'm all about slaying a cow and eating it, you know what I'm saying? Don't, don't, don't lose, don't lose, don't, don't get, I ate enough chicken yesterday to, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm not going there, okay? Rise, kill, and eat, you know what I'm saying? In this life, right? But, but, but ultimately, death is, not gonna, death is not a part of our future. It's going to eventually pass away, and there's going to be no such thing as death. But I was explaining to Eli how death wasn't a part of God's plan and all of these things because I want him to know that death is an enemy, right? Now, death still happens, you know, and, you know, and, and, and what's amazing is in Scripture, it's funny, Jesus won't even, he, he, he didn't even want to call it death. He's always asleep. Why? Because he hates death that much. He don't even want to say it. Why? Because the devil had the power of death, not God. And we're going to look at that in the Scriptures. So much so, he didn't even want to call it death. He's asleep, but his disciples are dumber in a box of rocks. And they were like, whoa, Lord, he's not asleep, he's dead. And he was like, yes, he's dead. You're right, guys. Okay, whatever. Anyway, moving along up. <laughs> but God, God hates death because death is not God's power. Death is the enemy's power. And it was given to him at the fall. And so, um, and it will eventually bow its knee, and there, and there will be no more death. And so, anyway, let's, Hebrews chapter 2, and in verse 14, it says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Do you know that all fear is born out of the fear of death? All fear, its birthing place, is out of the fear of death. But it says here, who had the power of death, which is the devil. So the devil had the power of death. Okay? God is the author of life. Now turn to, um, actually turn to Romans chapter 6, and then I will read you a passage of Scripture as we're passing through here.
But John 10.10, 10, it says, The thief does not come except to kill, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, and they may have it more abundantly. Now, I mean, I was talking about the enemy, and this is talking about Jesus, right? Anytime you see killing and stealing and destruction, God's not the author of that. That comes from the devil, right? And how many know that I would say the majority of the body of Christ is fooled in this area? A lot of people think that death comes from God. A lot of people think that sickness comes from God. A lot of people think that, uh, and I just want to tell you right now, I'm not preaching to anybody else's sermon. This is something that I studied out. There may be other people that are preaching this, but I'm not preaching somebody else's sermon. This is something that I studied out. Because this is something that God's doing in my heart. You may have heard other people preaching this, but I'm, this is the direction I believe the body of Christ is moving. Because how many know Jesus is returning and the last enemy is about to bow? We're, we are preparing ourselves to see what the true enemy is. How many know the enemy is not a political party? How many know the enemy is not the Satanists? How many know the enemy is not the, 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 the sinner or the, 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 the prostitute? Or, or the, the, the angry legalistic preacher. How many old those are all of those things that you may think are the enemy or not the enemy? You know what the enemy is? The enemy is death. How many old the enemy is not even sin? The reason sin is so evil is it produces death. It is, it is the avenue in which death comes, it's the needle that injects death into somebody is sin. And so when we start to think, in terms of life and death, we start to leave the incorrect paradigm of moralism and start to see things as they truly are. When I was a drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, crazy person, God didn't want to make me a better person. God wanted to take a dead man and make him alive. And so the life that was deposited in me at the new birth has now brought forth fruits of life in my life. I'm meeting people. I, I, it seems like almost every week I'm encountering someone else who knew the person that I used to be. It's awesome. It's a great thing about being in my little tiny hometown. Like I'm just the other day, I was having breakfast and saw somebody I hadn't seen in 20 years. And you can take one look at me and tell I'm not the same person that I used to be. You can hear one word come out of my mouth. Why? Because death used to come out of me, now life comes out of me. Even before they hear I'm a preacher. Even before. How many you know it shouldn't require your Christian t-shirt <laughs> to prove that you're different? When I walk in this world, I'm carrying life. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm carrying it. It's not me. It's not born of me. But he's in me. And so when I'm in the gym and I'm talking to people, I do a lot of witnessing in the gym, I'm, I'm pouring life on the people. Love, peace, joy. Kindness, goodness, just joy, you know? Everybody loves to be happy. And how many of you know life is, when, when you're surrounded by death, life is kind of, when people see some life, they're like, whoa, what's that? And what I'm seeing, I had somebody chase me down the other day when we were doing evangelism. We were doing evangelism on, on Monday night. I started back doing evangelism again. And I was about to go pray with this, I, I saw this lady sitting on her porch, so I'm going to go over here and see if she needs prayer. And so as I'm about to, I'm walking over towards her, and there is this young man barreling down the sidewalk towards me. I'm talking barreling, looking as, as gangster as white Tupac. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Not trying to, to, to uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to use here? Uh, anyway, whatever. Anyway, the brother was, he was looking rough, he was looking angry, and he was walking fast. And so, you know, Wise as serpents, harmless as doves, you know what I'm saying? I ain't about to close my eyes and pray right now, you know, because I'm over here like this. I'm like, what's up, dude? And so now he's coming towards me like a freight train. And so now, so I turn around and address him. I said, what's up, man? And, um, and we start talking and, you know, and I, I, you know, different, I do different ways at different times. So I said, man, what, what are your thoughts on God? He's, Psh, I don't believe in God. And we sit and talk and talk and all of a sudden he starts revealing his girlfriend's pregnant, he's got these court costs, got these problems, got these challenges, on and on and on and on. Next thing you know, he gets saved. But he chased me down. Like, he chased me down. Like, but, but, but he didn't know he was chasing me down. 
But how many know I'm carrying life? You follow me? When you're, when you're talking to somebody in Walmart, you're carrying life. So don't let this world keep you angry so the life in you can't be released. Don't let this world keep you offended so the life in you can't be released. If you are angry and offended just like they are, you don't have life to release. That life is capped up. People don't need your differing angry viewpoints. Have you ever convinced someone who was deceived that they were deceived? I haven't. You can't argue people into truth. But you can life them into truth. You know? And then another guy, this guy, another guy at my gym, and I'm just feeling led to share this. I've seen him for about a year. And the cool thing about me is nobody knows I'm a pastor, right? I'm undercover. I'm a ninja pastor. And uh, so I've been seeing this guy for about a year. And, um, and he's from New York. And he's rough around the edges. And, uh, and, he, and every other word's the F-bomb. Every other word's the F-bomb, right? And so, but we're, we're homies. We're friends. Can you be a friend of a sinner? Can I get an amen? Can you talk to him? Can you be around him? You know what I'm saying? And love on him. And so I've just been talking to him. He's been dealing with this back trouble. And his back's been really bothering him. And I'm always just talking to him and checking on him. And, and within the past about week or so, God was like, in my, down in here, like, you need to pray for him. I'm like, okay. Praise God. Here we go. The line's about to be drawn in the sand. And, here, and the challenge is how people treat you after they find out you're a believer. I actually don't enjoy that much because they think I'm going to judge them and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, anyway, whatever. You know what I'm saying? But down here, you need to pray for him. I'm like, Lord, you know, He's going to be really shocked when I pray for him. And so, then, so finally, uh, Ethan drove to school, and so I was at the gym a little bit early, and there he was. And down here, it was like, today's the day. It's time to do it. And uh, how many of all the Spirit of God will lead you to do things that your mind is uncomfortable with? How many of all the Spirit of God will lead you to do things that don't make sense to your head? I'm telling you, when you're getting an unction from the Spirit, turn your brain off and just go do it. Because if, you, if your brain stays on, you'll talk yourself out of it. Because everything I'm about to share is completely illogical. And so I walk up, so I come up to him. I say, what's up, man? How you doing? Well, my blankety blank, effity, F, 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 back, and my F back. And he's never cussed this much before. It's like a higher level of cussing. Like this brother cussed so hard, I thought he's praying in tongues. You know what I'm saying? I was like, is that a New York dialect of tongues? Like, what's up, bro? What's happening? The enemy is trying to offend me and push me away so the life inside of me can't be unleashed on dry ground, right? And down here, it's like, pray for him, pray for him. And up here, it's like, this is not the right day. <laughs> Clearly, brother's having a bad day. You know, this is the wrong day. And so finally, I was just like, and he told me all about his back and stuff like that. And I said, man, I was like, can I pray for you? And he was like, yeah. <laughs> And so, like, it was funny. So I prayed for him right there. And, of course, we cause a scene, right? How many of you know there are good scenes to cause? How many of you know when we're standing out in the street and we're gathered around and we're holding hands and we're praying for him, how many of you know that's a good scene to cause? Can I get an amen? And me laying hands on somebody in the gym and praying for him, it's a good scene. It, it's washing over everybody in there. It's encouraging the believers, and it's, a, it, it's the smell of death to those that are in death. Like, the, some people don't like it. Some people do like it. You know, that's none of my business, right? And so I pray for him. And, I, and then he's, he's, like, he's like, man. He's like, he's like, thanks, man. Blankety blank. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, look. I said, please. I said, please keep being yourself. I said, don't. Just, it's all good, man. And I said, and I've known. I said, God's been leading me to pray for you for quite some time. And I knew as soon as I prayed for you, it was going to try to make things weird. Let's, tr let's, not, let's let, not let it be weird. And, and then this is a very tough New York man, okay? His eyes filled up with tears, and he said, the fact that you care enough about me to ask about me and to pray for me, he said, that means so much to me. See, he didn't meet my religiosity. He saw my fruit for a year of me really caring about him and asking about him and talking to him and saying hi to him. 
And then the stage was set. Now, if I'd have busted in on him and tried to reap the harvest before he was ready, he'd have cussed me out. But I poured life on him for a year. And then when the Spirit of God said it was time, he pulled it. He pulled the trigger, so to speak. You follow me? And so that life that you're carrying, it won't be visible if the enemy can keep you mad. Do you have a right to be angry at some of the things that are happening? Absolutely you have a right. Take a stand. But I'm telling you right now, the life in you needs to be poured out on these people. Doesn't mean you agree with them. Doesn't mean you compromise. You take your stand. But life will swallow up death. Amen? And, and so, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus has come that we may have life. Now, that word for life is the word Zoe life, and it's the God kind of life. It's a special kind of life. I mean, all right, so Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, um, eternal life, eternal life, eternal life. When you think eternal life, I mean, you know, most of us, we just think heaven, Right? But you have to understand that the word for eternal is not just the passage of time. It, it, it's, it's, a, it's perpetual life. How many of they're always trying to find a way to create a perpetual motor? Like they want to create something that's going to have perpetual energy, right? And I'm not sure that man will be able to do that. But how many know God already has? How many know that that there's perpetual life in Christ. How many know it's really actually all about Jesus? How many know Jesus is the tree of life? And how many know that everlasting life is already in you? How many know you can be enjoying eternal life right now? What are you talking about, Jeremiah? How many know eternal life? How many know life produces the fruit of the Spirit? Love is born of life, right? Peace, joy. Kindness. Oh man, I'm just learning so much about kindness. Look for opportunities to be kind and see what type of ministry it creates for you. And step further, see what it does for you. It's changing my whole life, afresh and anew. I'm out looking to be kind all the time, looking for ways to be kind. You know? Just kind. I don't have to be commanded by God or even Spirit-led to be kind. I can be kind to everyone. I can be kind to the nice people. I can be kind to the mean people. But as I'm kind, it sets the stage for other things to happen that are good, but you know what it does? It does something for me. I mean, you know, if you live angry, you are not going to be happy. How I many know if you live offended, you're not going to be happy? Amen. We got to let go of all that junk and embrace life. That's not life, that's death. But it says the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. What does that mean? Sin produces death. Now, I'm about to draw something, okay? And so, this is a real leap of faith for me because I am perhaps the worst drawer on earth. Like, I, there's this much artistic ability in Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> like, we play Pictionary, and I basically draw three lines for everything and a couple dots and just point to it over and over again. <laughs> I'm that person. You ever play Pictionary with that person? That person's so annoying. I'm that person because I can't draw. And so I just I draw the same thing for everything, and then I point, right? So I can't draw, but I feel like we need a visual. We have some chalk, and it shouldn't be too hard. Where's the applause at? I mean, come on. No, <laughs> I can draw a duck because my teacher taught me how. No, let me sh no, I shouldn't do it. Should I eat it? He's like, don't do it, man. I have this one thing I can draw. It's a cursive S. She turned it into a duck. My third grade teacher taught me. I've been drawing it for like 44 years. Anyway, all right. So we'll pretend. All right. Now I've got to try real hard here. See, Stacy's a great drawer. What is 
God, right? Everybody good? Are we good? Are we all on the same page? Okay, y'all ready? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's right. Woo, let's go. It is, isn't it? Hey, hey, you know what's happening right now? Life. Life. See, joy. I mean, a laughter does good like a medicine. See, where grace is, there's going to be laughter. I mean, I mean you know, uh, Isaac's name means laughter, right? There's a joy to life when you're in that place of life. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so the word for sin... Is the, it's in, in the Greek, it's the word, it's uh, Strong's number 266. It's harmatia, and it literally means this. So simple. To miss the mark. To miss the mark. Now, this is God who is life, right? I'm not even going to draw that because, amen. But this is God and it's life. Now, when Adam fell... How many know in the absence of light is darkness? What's the absence of life? Death. See, harmatia, sin, is something outside of life. Adam took all the human race and plugged this in. We missed the mark. We stepped out of life and into death. And it took death... To bring us back into life. And we're going to look at it in the scripture. Because through one man, death entered the earth. And through one man, life re-entered the earth through that man's death. Y'all track them here? It's all right there in the scripture. But, so sin, the wages of sin is death. Sin produces death. Why? Because it's the absence of life. Every time you touch sin, you're touching death. Y'all tracked him here. That's why God hates it so much. Now, you have to understand that in, in the New Testament, I mean, you know, we always talk about sin in terms of it being an action or a verb. In the book of Romans, I mean, you know, Romans talks a lot about sin, right? In the book of Romans, 47 times sin is mentioned as a noun. Twice it's mentioned as a verb. We always think about sin being an action, but really sin is a location. See, Jeremiah Johnson, at 19, was here. Jesus Christ was the bridge to step back into life. Are y'all tracking me here? I was dead. And I produced death. Now, I could do good deeds. I could do nice things. But how many of those good deeds and nice things couldn't make me back into life? Right? And so I abode in a place of death... But now, how many know that now I'm in here? I'm back into life. And let me take it a step further. I can't get out now. (laughs) I'm in a prison of life. And I was in a prison of death. It's a location, not an action. My action didn't bring me into death. My action can't take me out of death. How many know Jesus brought me into life? And so now that you're born again... You are in Christ, and you're in a place of life. Now, can you sin in here? Yeah, you can make mistakes, but it doesn't take you out of the life of God. It just doesn't. It can't. It's impossible because it's a location. Now, and we're going to look at in later studies, not today, but, but, but sin still produces death. I mean, you know, there are Christians that have died before their time because of sin. Sin produces death. It's just death, man. Um, But that's not where we're going right now. But what I want to show you is sin is just a step outside of life. And so now we start to realize this isn't so much of a willpower, obedience, morality issue. It's an issue of life or death. How many of y'all God says choose life? How many of the Spirit of God is never going to lead you into sin? Why? Why would God lead you into death? How many of He's not going to do that? Okay, get an amen. How many of the Spirit of God is always going to lead you into life? How many of it's the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus? 
that sets you free from the law of sin and death. Can I get an amen? How many of y'all think that there's some death that needs to bow down in your home? I'm talking like sickness. I'm talking like, you know, aging. Don't embrace getting old in the sense of thinking that it's just a part of, it's just what's going to happen. You can do that if you want to. I'm not. I'm fighting it. Well, I'm fighting it with life. Why? Because Scripture says that my youth can be renewed as the eagles. It says God will satisfy my mouth with good things so that my youth is renewed. Can I get an amen? Sarah had her youth renewed. Sarah's 90-something years old, and kings are checking her out thinking she's the hottest thing that ever walked the planet. Come on, truth. How I many you know those kings aren't spiritual? They're not seeing her spiritualness. They're looking at her physicality that her youth is renewed. Right? If that's a promise of God, I want it. As, as the person I am at my stage in my life, I need it because I have little kids. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I need, as my days are, so shall my strength be. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is a promise of God, and it's not even that far-fetched. It's happened many, many times in Scriptures. How I many of you know, Caleb said, I'm as strong now as I was when God first called me. Yeah. Caleb's so strong, he said, look, I want the mountain with the giants on it. Give me the hardest battle. Yeah. And he was the oldest dude there. How I many of you know, Caleb was older than Joshua? He was. He was older than him. But Caleb had a hold of something, and... If he can have that under the Old Testament, how much more can you have that in the New Testament under the New Covenant with Jesus Christ on the inside of you? And, and, I'm, and so I'm just saying, like, embrace life. Don't embrace death. Embrace life in everything that you do, right? How many of you know there's some entertainment that's filled with death? More so than it's ever been. And so you've got to let God lead you on what you put in your eyes and in your ears. Amen. How many of you know there's some news that's filled with death? How many of you know there's some media that's filled with death? I've cut back on my news intake. My life's better. I've taken that time and put it towards prayer. Less Facebook scrolling and more prayer. And you know what's happened? I've, I have more life flowing out of me. I'm, I'm consuming life, not death. Now, I don't stick my head in the sand and act like things aren't happening. I take a stand for the truth. I take a stand, and I'm going to continue to take a stand, but I'm going to take a stand filled with life, not filled with anger and fear. I am not going to live my days afraid of anything. Nothing is worthy of your fear when Almighty God is your Father. Can I get an amen? Fear is from hell. It's from the, it's from the devil. You don't need fear in your, in your life. How many of you know fear will cause you to say and do things you wouldn't normally do? A lot of times... People are fighting, not because they're fighting, they're fighting because they're scared. That's why they're arguing. They're scared. They're afraid. You ever got sucker punched financially before? Just me. Okay. <laughs> how many of you can try to bring fear into your life? And how many know you've got to get your eyes back on God's promises? You've got to look at what God has said. Folks, if, if you spend all your days looking at recession, 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 downturn, 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 then don't be surprised when your heart's filled with fear. And it'll cause you to be reactive rather than proactive. You do not have to participate in a recession. Every time a recession has happened in the Bible, God's people flourish. Every time. Why? Stage is set for God to be glorified. Jeremiah 17. You're like a tree. They that trust in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord, you're like a tree that's planted by the water. You'll stretch out your roots. You'll bring forth fruit in your season. You'll not be afraid of drought. You'll not be afraid of uh, heat. You'll not be afraid of those things, and you'll be unceasingly fruitful. How many of you know a tree planted by the river don't have the same life as a tree planted in a field? Tree planted in the field is dependent upon the rain. Tree planted by the river got a source that nobody else has. Do you know that you have a source that nobody else has? You have a source that nobody else has. You have a source that nobody else has. You have a source. Amen. Why are you saying it three times, Jeremiah? Because you've heard it a thousand times in the opposite direction. And Sunday morning you have just a moment to hear truth.
and not facts. How many of you know truth will overcome facts? Yes, all the time. We walk by faith, not by sight, right? I mean, Isaac sowed in a year of famine and, reached a, and, and, and uh, reaped a hundredfold, right? What if God, what if all this is happening so that God can reveal his favor on his children and we can flourish and we can be the ones that help people? Not the government, us, right? Because when I give somebody something, there's life attached to it. When I take care of somebody's bill, there's life attached to it. Because I ain't pointing to Jeremiah Johnson. I'm pointing to Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? And, and so, mm, praise God. So, no, take a stand. Life, 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 amen? Amen. Now, turn to Romans chapter 5, please. And, like, this is just getting, it's, so, it's getting so big in me. It's just like, it's a paradigm shift because... So many times people, you know, look at the church and they think it's just rules and moralism, and that's actually the wrong paradigm. Because, I mean, you know, someone could be moral, but, but hate everybody. I mean, someone can be super moral, but be so self-righteous and look down on everybody. How I many you know that's not life? Right? How I many you know there were moral Pharisees and Sadducees who killed Jesus? Right? So, and so people a lot of times they look at the church and they just think it's, it's a message of moralism. It's not. We have life. I'm saying that I'm not asking you to change your behavior. I'm saying just take some life and see if that life don't change your behavior. But it will change your behavior as a result of you tapping into life, not you trying super hard. This try hard Christianity, it don't work. You cannot try hard, harder to be loving and more moral. The harder you try, the more you are in the flesh and you are depending upon your own strength. You know how you bring forth fruit? You rest in the finished work. And you chill out and you get your eyes off of you. I am accidentally more holy than I ever was on purpose in legalism. It's the truth. My focus is not, my focus is not even morality. My focus is Jesus. I'm like, man, I need some prayer time. Man, I need, I need to read the Bible for a little bit. Why? I need some life. Because I'm feeling, I'm experiencing some symptoms of death right now. We talking about? I'm mad. <laughs> I'm cranky. I don't like nobody. I don't like myself. <laughs> I need some time with the Lord. What happened? Well, you live in a world that, where death is like bugs on the windshield. It's everywhere. You've got to grab on to life. And here's the beautiful thing. You know how to do it. How many people don't? How many you know right now you're receiving life? Yes. Not because of me, but because God gave me a gift to break the bread, to pour it out. And so you're feeding on it. And how many you know when you leave this place, you're going to have more peace than you walked in? Why? Because we came here to see Jesus, the tree of life, and feed on his bread. Amen? And the beautiful thing about the day and age that we live in, you can feed on his bread all the time. Amen. I mean, we can shut down Facebook and, 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 and put on some scripture and let some scripture roll in your head. You know, I had a period of time when, when here, here not too long ago where I was working out to hardcore uh, rock music, secular rock music, right? And, and I mean, and I'm not damning secular rock music. I mean, there's some rock music that I really enjoy. And, uh, and, you know, and I'm in there and I'm doing my thing and I'm rah, trying to be all aggressive and all that kind of stuff, you know. <laughs> Praise God. But, like, God checked me on it. He was like, you need to quit doing that. Because usually what I do is listen to preaching while I'm working out, right? And I was like, oh, God, come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know how it is. You know how many God will never make you do anything? He'd be like, you know, you need to get back to listen to preaching again. I'd be like, man, God's music's so good. I like it. Rah. God deadlift this weight, you know. And, and what he's saying is, you're touching death. How I many you know it's okay for me to listen to that music? I'm not going to hell because I'm listening to that music. I'm not losing my salvation because I'm listening to that music. But how I many you know it's not feeding me and bringing life to me? And I got into kind of like this dry place, and God was like, remember when I told you to change what you were doing? 
Oh, yeah. And then I made the change. How I many you know sometimes the change is something so small? Changing what you're listening to when you're going to work. Changing the way you spend your lunch break. Making a decision to sing a psalm while you're working. You know, the Bible, one of the ways you can stay filled with the Spirit is just sing. And you don't have to sing good. Thank God. We don't, I don't like to sing like Brian. You know, you sing to the Lord. You, can't, you get caught up singing, and next thing you know, you're, fill, you're full. Right? There's a million different things, but God will give you a little tweak. And he's not trying to shut down your fun. He's not trying to shut down your world. He's not trying to shut down your life. What, how many know that little change that he was doing to me? He's just trying to bring some life into me that I needed. And I've made that transition, and my life's so much better because of it, right? Amen. Just a little bit of, how many know God will check you on what you're watching? Oh, you're watching too much of that. He's told me that before. I'm like, man, God, I like it, though. It's fun. It's cool. <laughs> and he's like, well, you're watching a little too much, you know? And here's the thing. It can be entertaining and stuff like that. How many know it's not changing my salvation? How many know it's not changing anything about me? I'm still a son of God, regardless of what I watched. But, like, it, it was, it, it, I was touching death, right? And here's the thing. While you're on this planet, you're going to be touching. How many know death's everywhere? Like, 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 do they really have to have naked people on TV all the time? It's deodorant. You know what I'm saying? It's yogurt. It's Pepsi. Put your clothes on. But how many know that, like, they know it sells? It speaks to the carnality of man, right? And so, like, you're surrounded by this stuff everywhere. It's everywhere. But how many know that you have a fountain that also never runs dry? And so even though what you're seeing may be, there may be some death in what you're seeing in all of these things, and not saying that sex in and of itself is death, because it's not. It's a beautiful gift from God. But how many are supposed to be husband and wife? Boom. That's how it works, right? And, and but, but, but you can always come back to the Lord to wash you. How many know you need the washing of the water of the Word? Can I get an Amen. You need to be reminded that you're the righteousness of God. Because if you allow those images to bring you into a state of condemnation, it'll, 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 it'll make you addicted to those images, and it'll drive you more into those images. I have these conversations all the time with the youth. Because our culture is just drenched with sex, man. It's everywhere. And, and, and so you can't take yourself out of the world but how many know you can make some decisions about, you can be purposeful about what, you're, what you consume, right? Y'all tracking me here? And see, this isn't moralism. This isn't, ooh, try really hard to be good. This is life and death. Choose life, right? Amen. So simple, isn't it? it, it for me, it's a game changer. And so Romans chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Therefore... Just as through one man sin, sin entered the world, and death through sin. Thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. How I many you know, check this out for a minute. Death has reigned so much, we can't imagine it not reigning. How I many you know death is common to us now? I mean, you know, now, now my four-year-old, when he saw that dead bird, it affected him. Because it's not, it's not God's plan. And he's still pure enough to where he's repulsed by it. But how I many you know we could walk out this building and see a dead bird and not bat an eye? Not think twice about it. Because we've been conditioned to it. How I many you know we can watch a, a, a TV show with, with, with murder, constant, and not be impacted by it. Because we're used to it, right? Death has ruled so long. But how many know that when Jesus came, that's what he conquered? Sometimes we miss that point. He didn't just conquer. We always focus on the sin aspect of it and different things that he did. But finally, a man conquered death. And he's continued to conquer death. How I many you know 2,000 years later, he's still alive? 
See, how many know Lazarus was raised from the dead? But how many know he died? How many know Paul was raised up when they stoned him and all that? But how many know he died? But Jesus? He's, still, he's just as alive now as he was 2,000 years ago. He said, death, you're not going to reign anymore. There's a new sheriff in town. And this same victory is what's coming to you and I in the days ahead. Because the day and time is going to come when death can't touch you anymore. Y'all tracking me here? How many of y'all, there'll be a generation that won't taste death? Perhaps we're that generation. Perhaps we'll be the ones changed in the twinkling of an eye. Perhaps we'll be the ones transformed. We'll never know death. I love the language that God uses for death in the Scripture. Even Stephen, the first martyr, they're just like, yeah, he fell asleep. To me, it's almost like God's like, I'm not letting death take my kids. I'm going to put you to sleep before you die. Because death don't win. That's how passionate God is against death. Can you imagine the creator of life, how offended he must be at death? How ugly death must be to him? I mean, if you allow the term offended. Death is really ugly to God because it was never his heart, never his plan. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to, I'm trying to put that same mindset in you. How I many know we're called to hate evil? Hate it. You that love the Lord, hate evil. That's what Scripture says, right? Why do you hate evil? Because it's death. Y'all tracking me here? Now, I'm not getting in all these little gray areas of, of whether you should drink wine or not drink wine or watch HBO or don't watch HBO or all this stuff that or how long your hair is or what kind of pants you got on, tattoos, no tattoos. Man, the church is majored on the dumbest stuff. Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Let's do something important, like care about people. You know what I'm saying? Rather than all those other things. So I'm not getting into all of that, but I'm saying that that, that we, are, we, are to, we are called to hate death the way God hates death, and we're called to take a stand against death. Can I get an amen? It's not God's plan. Death reigned from Adam to Moses, even, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam. What does that mean? How I many know we didn't all eat the fruit, but we were in Adam when he ate the fruit? Who is a type of him who was to come, but the free gift is not like the offense. For by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. Why does it keep saying it's not like that? Because people will take this passage of Scripture and try to make a case for universalism. Well, are you saying that what happened in, in Adam was greater than what happened in Jesus? It's not the same. It says the, it's, the gift is not like that which came through the one that sinned. The gift is not like the offense. How is it different? Because all of humanity was in Adam when he fell. Right? How many you know all of humanity is not in Christ? You're invited into Christ. By faith, through grace, are you saved. It's not the same thing. So universalists will make the argument, well, you're saying what Adam did is greater than what Jesus said. No, Scripture says it's different. No one had a choice to fall in Adam. Everyone has a choice to receive Jesus. It's just the truth, man. See, if you just read the Scriptures, it'll nullify these little things. Anyway, let's move right on. And so, it says, For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For by one man's offseat, we read this passage and we don't read all of it in context. For by, for by the one man's offense, death reigned... Through the one, much more those who receive. Everybody say receive. Those who receive what? An abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of times we think reigning in life means you're reigning in the literal life that you're living. And I do believe that. I do believe that we're called to win. I do believe that we're called to overcome. Can I get an amen? How many of you are called to overcome? Take a stand. It, it, this is a war, man. But we're called to win. Amen? And, and, and so we are called to reign. How I many know we're called to reign in our marriages? Amen? We're called to reign in the raising of our children. We're called to reign. How I many know when, when the devil's not reigning, we, we are, God is reigning through us, right? When, when death is not reigning, life is reigning. We're called to reign in, in, in all over the world. Amen? How I many know we want to establish the kingdom, right? Wherever we can. But reigning in life 
What if God had the ability to pour so much life into you that death couldn't stay on you? You ever wash something with a power washer? Power washer is different than regular washing. What does the power washer do? It overwhelms it with water. You know, I remember when I was in uh, high school, one of the things I, I used to work at like Shoney's, and I did some time, I'd, I'd wash dishes for a while, and I can remember they had this like power washing thing. I mean, this thing was like, <laughs> and man, I mean, like it was fantastic, you know, because I'm like, man, I wish I had this at the house. Because at the house, you do dishes, it's like, you know, and it's like, takes forever. But this thing was just like a hose, man. It, and it'd wash anything, right? Because it would overwhelm it. Well, how many know that God wants to overwhelm you with life? So when that angry, offended person comes up to you, their anger and offense doesn't get on you. How many know offense is catchy? It's so catchy. You can catch it like that. Let me give you an example. I was at the gym. All my stories are at the gym, right? I only go to two places. I go to Kroger, I go to the gym. That's it. That's what I do. You know what I'm saying? I'm a G. I know, man. Praise God. But it's cool, though. I do all kinds of ministry at the gym. Like, I am the gym pastor. <laughs> I'm praying for people. I'm talking to people. I'm doing visitations over in the corner next to the squat rack, you know? It's cool. I love it. I because I love people, you know, and uh, I know every single person at the gym. So, yeah, it's cool, and I know about their lives too, right? So anyway, so this new guy comes in, and uh, and so I had hurt my back. Um, I had pulled a muscle in my back a couple weeks ago, and so I couldn't lift like the way I would normally lift, and so I had to get on the um, leg press and just do a leg press. Because I'm still going to get in there, but I couldn't. There's certain things I couldn't do. So I'm on this leg press for like a half an hour. Nobody's on the leg press for half an hour. But that's what I was doing. And he wanted to get on the leg press. And I was sorry for him. You know, I, I was sorry, but I'm on the, I have to be here because I'm injured right now and I'm working through something, right? And so anyway, so I'm trying to be kind to him. Right? But he's angry and offended. Not just at me, but in general. He has, he has eaten the poison. How I many there's some poison out there? And so I see, and this isn't just from this particular episode. Every time he comes in, he's angry and offended. And he's always like, just, you, you know when someone's offended and they're just, <sighs> everything is wrong. This person's on this and I want this and this person. They're offended and entitled, right? Now, when I tried to be kind to him, you know what tries to happen to me? His anger tries to get off on me. His offense tries to get off on me. And i got to guard myself against it. Because when I try to be nice to him, it's like, a, it's like a black hole. He can't receive it. It just... And it's anger. And then it makes me want to be mad at him. And I just think to myself, i got to stay away from this dude. Because I get mad when I'm around it. I find myself mad trying to interact with this person. What's happening? Well, how many of you know he needs deliverance? But there's so much anger and rage in him that he can't even see kindness when it comes. He can't even see it. How many of you know it's a deception? It's, it's, there's, a blinded, there's blinded eyes. And so I'm not going to stop being nice to him. I'm going to continue to be kind to him. I'm going to continue. But when someone is offended and entitled, your kindness is expected. It's demanded. So they don't even know how to receive anything because they think everybody owes them something. And they have a chip on their shoulder. It's a very unusual thing. It's always been around, but how many know it's on a very large scale right now? There are large swaths of our... Uh, swaths. Is that a word? Swaths. We're in Kentucky. Nobody cares. <laughs> We're like, ah, you make up a word? All right. <laughs> Large groups of the population are offended. And when someone is offended and they're angry like that, how I many know oh, they're carrying death? And I don't care how much life I put in, that death tries to get off on me. 
Amen? Uh, but, but I say all that to say you have to be careful that stuff's catchy. Scripture says, if you spend time with an angry man, careful that that anger don't get off on you. I'm telling you right now, don't, the kingdom of God is not angry and offended. The kingdom of God is love, peace, joy, kindness, goodness. How many know Jesus did get mad? But he didn't stay mad. Didn't he get mad? He got mad. He made a whip. He kicked some people's butts. But he got over it. He didn't live there. And there's, there's portions of the body of Christ that are living angry, and it's killing them. Physically, it's killing relationships. And you've got to stop it. It's not the kingdom. The kingdom is, is love, peace, and joy, and kindness, and goodness. Righteousness, and peace. Amen? Yes, there is... How many know Jesus got angry? How many know there are times when God gets angry? But He don't, he don't live in anger. Amen? And how many know there, there are nefarious, demonic forces that want you to live angry? How many know angry can't, anger can't stay compartmentalized? I learned that during quarantine with my dog. God has given me a book idea for my dog last week in prayer. So I'm not going to tell you about it, but it's coming. <laughs> it's a horror story. No, I finally understand what God's doing with the dog. I finally understand it. So anyway, but I was so mad. At, I was mad at my dog, and, and because he was destroying every, feeling like everything I'd ever built or tried to have in my life. I just want to have nice things. I just want to have a nice back porch. <laughs> and the dog's like, rah, destruction, you know. But, and he's gotten better. But, like, my anger towards my dog was bleeding out onto my children, bleeding out onto my wife, bleeding out everywhere. I mean, you know, the, the enemy would love for you to carry an aroma of death and not life. And the thing about it is, that anger started to... How many of people are consumed with anger in the world we're living in? People are marching on the stage and smacking people in the face. and You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know why that happened? Anger. Like, people are doing stuff that they've never done before. People are crazy right now. They're mad. And like, you're salt. You're light. You're a preservative. You're not the lit match on the powder keg. And listen to me. I mean, you know, I'm not preaching compromise. I'm not. This is strength. You know what strength is? The ability to refrain. Refrain is true strength. Control your own spirit. True strength is you not going off on somebody that wronged you. That's greater strength. Restraint. I mean, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Right? When that guy was trying, you know, he wasn't even doing anything. He was just a... He's just emitting anger and offense. I restrained myself from lowering myself to his level. And I stayed on the high ground. Because if I'd have lowered myself to his level, you know what the light that was shining out of me would have happened? It would have got a blanket over it. And I'd have been just like him. Two different ideologies bumping heads like death. Y'all tracking me here? We are... The king, we are the kingdom of God. We are the children of God. We are filled with life. And we need to take our stand in peace. We need to take our stand in love. We need to take our stand in life. Amen? I'm just, ah, I don't know. I'm just seeing things so much, so much different. God wants us to reign in, in life. And then, you know, people get in a lot of trouble because they're trying to find life in the wrong things. How many old alcohol can't bring you life? How many old pills can't bring you life? How many old food as just pleasure can't bring you life? 
I mean, all the amens were so much stronger on the first two. They're like, nah, man, I can't amen that, brother. The chicken leg is bringing me life. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you ever, you ever tried to sleep yourself into energy? Have you noticed it don't work? It don't. Now, I'm not saying you don't need to sleep. I'm not saying you don't need to eat. But how many know there is a tired that's beyond sleep's ability to repair? I got to say that again. There is a tired beyond sleep's ability to repair. I'm going to say that one more time. There is a tired that's beyond sleep's ability to repair. How many know you may think you're physically tired, but you're actually spiritually tired? And you need to eat some Jesus more than just Sunday morning. One of the things I have to be careful of as a minister is to think, and I have to be very careful about this because I've slipped over into the wrong place in this many times in my life. My ministry is not the same thing as my relationship. Your gift will kick no matter what. I could have just argued with my wife, kicked my dog, and ate all the cookies in the house. And you could toss me onto the street behind a pulpit, and God will show up. Why? Because it's for the people. I mean, everyone here, you have gifts. And it may not be pulpit gifts, but you have gifts. Those gifts are going to work no matter what. Don't think the fact that that gift works is the presence of your relationship with God. Because how many know you can die of thirst drawing water for other people? You can. You can. Think about it. Can someone in a desert, there's one well of water, drawing water, getting it on their hands, pouring it into the mouths of the people. I mean, that person can die right there in the desert if they don't drink themselves. Your personal relationship with God is more important than anything else you do. And when I maintain that personal relationship, ministry is an overflow, and my life is good. But when I substitute ministry for relationship, you can get in some really dangerous places. Because it's easy many times to locate when you're physically tired or when you're hungry. I know when I'm hungry. You know what I'm saying? Got that one figured out. But how many know sometimes people can be spiritually tired and not know it? And they think what they need is more food. They think what they need is a vacation. They think what they need is more sleep. They think what they need. They think what they need. They think what they need. And they're trying to find life everywhere but where life is. Sitting at his feet. Amen? The whole reason that we've been made the righteousness of God, the whole reason that we're under grace instead of the law is so that we can have a relationship with God. That's the whole reason. It doesn't exempt you from relationship with God. We looked at that last week. The enemy will try to use grace against you where you're just flying under the radar, so to speak, you know, and it's all good, it's all good, it's all good, and it is all good, but, but how many know you can be hungry for Jesus and not even know it? And I'm just telling, I've been there many times, many times. And when I'm like that, life's not really flowing out of me. Life's flowing out of the gift, but life's not flowing out of me. The litmus test of, of, of your spirituality is not how you treat the stranger in the street, it's not how you act when you're in church. It's how you treat the people sitting on the couch next to you. That's your spirituality. We've had, we spent way too many years performing. I mean, it's got to work at the house. It's got to work at home, man. Right? And, and here's the thing. And check it out. All you got to do, just eat. It's so simple. You're eating right now, Right? But next week, you got some challenges coming up, and you're going to have to find some time to catch a meal. As Lily says, I need a knack. She calls it a knack. <laughs> Not a snack. Knack! When Lily's hungry, she's a little beast. Isn't she? Like, she is, she's the most hangry, in the natural realm in the past, she's the most hangry person in the house. When she is hungry, man, it is like, who is this? Have you ever seen Jack-Jack on The Incredibles? <laughs> female version. 
I mean, it's, and she's so loud. Like, she's just, you can't think. You can't hear. You're like, somebody feed the child. Somebody feed her. She must be fed from her son. Then she eats it. She's like, just a little angel again. <laughs> oh, Lord God. God help us. All right. Amen. Let me finish this real quick here. It says, um, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Therefore, as through one man offense, through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to, to all men, resulting in justification of life. For by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, that where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. <laughs> That as sin is reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. It's good stuff, man. I'm, I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful. Um, so we're just going to stop because we're done. And we're just going to continue in this vein. We're going to be studying this for a while. Did y'all enjoy that? Is that good for y'all? I feel like we all enjoyed that and it was a blessing. So... Um, I would like to get communion ready. We're going to have communion this morning. I'm feeling God, and we're going to close with communion. But I'm feeling God bringing our church into a place of deeper communion um, and, and, and understanding. Because, you know, we didn't get to this scripture, but how many of you know Jesus is the bread of life? He is the 